Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me is a returning guest, very special guest that we love having on the podcast, Big Dr. Fishboy. <laughs> Hello. Also known as Dr. How's it going? Sam been, been a long time. <laughs> Dr. Sam Venos Perrin. Yeah, I can finally yeah. use that title. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a while since you've been on, and we've been really mm-hmm. wanting to have you back, and I'm so glad that you were able to come back, especially for this one, because we know how much you love talking about big monkeys and their, let's say, assets. Yes, their assets. <laughs> their uh, islands and all yeah. their large tracts of land yeah. yes <laughs> it's a deep cut for your monty python fans right not, not that deep a cut to be fair it's just it's a shallow surface cut for monty python fans that's all right hey, but yeah well, no i'm pumped to talk about this i really enjoyed looking at skull island and uh i uh, i mean i have feelings about this movie they're perhaps not as strong as the ones about skull island but it's still it's it's i'm looking forward to talking about it yeah so for anyone who maybe has missed the episodes that you've been on before uh who might be new to the podcast or new to you would you like to introduce yourself real quick absolutely yeah so my name's uh sam parent uh i am a uh, freshwater slash invasive species biologist and climate data analyst uh and i'm part of the team that runs the podcast cinematic animalia so cinematic animalia is a podcast where we take a movie usually a monster movie go over the biology of the creatures in that movie. So like what works, uh, what doesn't you more, what doesn't than what does because uh, <laughs> you know, they're movies, they take liberties, uh, but basically just kind of teaching people about the world and the creatures around us and biology through monster flicks. Uh, and we actually did a big kind of uh, three week session on gorillas earlier this year, which we called monkey madness somewhat unoriginally. Yeah, we looked at uh, today's film, uh, King Kong 2005. We also looked at Gorillas in the Mist, mm-hmm. uh, which was the biopic of Diane Fossey. People might yep. know who Diane Fossey is, but we can probably talk about her later on, actually, because I love talking about perception of gorillas in film. And then we did uh, Kong versus Godzilla, which I, I loved. Uh, and and Dave loved, and Adam and Libby loved. They just oh, this is Adam's favorite movie ever, absolutely favorite movie ever. No, it's not. He, he detested. It. He'll kill me if I don't if I don't make that uh, make that blatantly obvious. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I remember that you guys are kind of a little mixed on on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw. I thought Adam was just going to reach through the camera and tear my throat out for liking it so much. <laughs> I thought um, it was great. I thought it was great. <laughs> I am. I'm actually really surprised uh, by how much you enjoyed the movie because I was expecting when yeah. they got to the Hollow Earth that you were going to be like, "Oh, come on!" But it's like you know, it's so weird. It's so it just, yeah. It's so <laughs> over the top. Like with with uh what what is it um godzilla king of the monsters they were still trying to force this like weird pseudoscience down your throat and make it all Mm -hmm. sound realistic 
But in Godzilla vs. Kong, they just went over the edge. Like, they just jumped the shark. And after that, I was like, you know what? It doesn't care. Magic exists in this world now. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't, God- I don't, I don't care about <laughs> pseudoscience. Yeah. Yeah, Godzilla could just dig a hole to the center of the earth with his fire breath. That's that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they take, like, an hour to, like, fly down to the center of the earth. And then God's, uh, King Kong just climbs up in 20 seconds. Right. It's like, rules don't apply anymore. I don't care. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it was I think I think that's why I kind of enjoyed the movie too, is it just kind of felt very unfettered. Just like there's nothing holding this movie back. It just was just they balls to the wall, everything they wanted to do in this movie. So yeah, (laughs) that's great. It didn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Unlike the movie we're talking about today, which I feel takes itself very, very seriously. Very seriously, and I have some opinions <laughs> on it. But before we <laughs> do that, um, usually on the podcast we cover news items at the beginning of the podcast because we like to cover news in the world of giant monster movies. Um, we're kind of recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do this week, and also this has been kind of a slow news week. We've had a couple of deaths in the industry and in the genre, but that's kind of the only news we've had. So I decided to do what I've done with a few other guests, uh, which is play a game. So are you ready, Big Dr. Fishboy? You can't Fishboy? see viewers, but I'm rubbing my hands together. Absolutely. <laughs> so... You, uh, for anyone who can't tell by your accent, you are not American. <laughs> no, I am not American. I am Australian. Yeah. Uh, I live in, I mean, I've been living overseas in Europe for about 10 years now. Uh, the last five of them have been in Norway. Wow. So, so from Australia, living in Europe. So, of course, the game I want to play with you uh, has is very USA centric. <laughs> Well, that's that's fine. We grow up on your movies. So uh, the game I have is what I call 50 States of Monsters. We're going to talk about the different states. Oh, so God, I thought you were going to say 50 States of Grey. I was just going to be like, no, I'm not having this. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, kind of. Uh, uh, so we're going to talk about, you know, uh, liquid, gas, uh, solids, uh, <laughs> the different states. Yep. No. no. Um, yep. So... United States is made up of 50 different states and pretty much I I would say more than two thirds of our states have had monster movies set in them. So I am really, yeah. Who went to Wisconsin for a monster movie? Actually, you know what? I don't know what Wisconsin is because I didn't look up Wisconsin, but I need to, I I bet you there is one. Okay. Bet you there is one. Uh, I'll look it up later. (laughs) But, but, yeah, so I have I have 10 movies here and I'm going to read out the movies uh-huh. to you. And I tried to pick ones that you would be familiar with, but also okay. ones that are not like so obvious, like King Kong. Well, yeah, I know which state that takes place in. It majority of it, or well, yeah. at least part of it takes place in New York. The state of constant fear. Yeah, the state of constant fear. Is, yeah, for yeah. this movie it's the state of confusion. Uh <laughs> Yes. Can, can I pull up a map of the U.S.? Is that allowed? <laughs> if if you want to cheat, you can't. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Yes, you can. Oh, okay, no. No, you can. can? Okay, good, good, you good. You can. <laughs> um, so I'm going to read out 10 movies, and I want to see if you can guess which state of the United States they take place in. And 
you know, like I said, you not being from the United States, uh, I figured this would be kind of fun. <laughs> Get a chance to yes, kind of yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, for, for your audience, I, I'm from Australia, and, and we don't study American history in Australia. I know that should be obvious, but I have had a few Americans be like, why don't you know about this stuff? It's just, it's, it's not what we study. You know, we have our own history that we study sometimes. No, that's, that's. So don't totally. be surprised by my ignorance, everyone. <laughs> no, I want, I mean, I knew, I knew going into this, that, that this was not like, that, that the, the point of this was to have fun. And that's why I, I did this for, for okay. you instead of for someone good, else. Good, good. <laughs> Now, if we reversed it, I could name all of the Australian states. Could you name the territories? I could name at least a couple. <laughs> there are only two, so you're oh, fine. Okay, so Darwin, is Darwin a territory or is that just a place? Darwin's the capital of the Northern, northern Territory. Northern Territory, which okay. Is the, yeah. A new, a new northern Canberra territory. Canberra is the capital of the Australian capital territory. Right. Okay. Okay. So because yeah. I, I knew because I think it's like uh, Canada. Canada has states and provinces, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they they have uh, yeah, yeah. So and territories and uh, the, Canada gets confusing after a while. Uh, which I mean, mm. the U.S. does too. Oh, we have does. we have fifty states, but we also have a lot of territories, and most Americans can't even name all the territories. So. <laughs> <laughs> mm, and you also have Florida, which is just very, very confusing in itself. Yeah, Florida is uh, Florida is its own thing. What's that thing called a panhandle, right? Yeah, the panhandle, the Floridian panhandle. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, start- sorry. Yeah, let's. let's no, let's it's totally fine. I love I love this kind of stuff. That's why. That's one of the reasons. Like, I'm very unique in being an American who knows uh, Australian like geography (laughs) (laughs) because I just love this kind of stuff. Um, So starting with our first movie, uh, it's a movie from the 1950s. It's called, it came from beneath the sea. Are you familiar with that movie? Vaguely. Is that the one with the Redosaurus? No, that's uh, no. the beast from Fifty Thousand Fathoms. Or yeah, something. yeah, beast from okay. Twenty Thousand Fathoms is that one. Uh, this one is the giant octopus. Same, same creator that created them. So you're you're on the right track there. Okay. So um, I'm gonna say uh, it's a coastal state. <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> well, out and you, say it's you, probably not Oklahoma. You don't know. It, it, it could be Kansas. We could we could have a giant octopus in the middle of yeah. Kansas. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, I don't know if it'd survive it very long, but you know, look, you never know. Uh, it sounds Lovecraftian, so I'm going to go East Coast. Um, I don't think anybody would set a horror movie in New Hampshire or Maine, unless it's Stephen King. So, Rhode Island? He actually went the opposite direction. It's it's a Pacific Coast one. Oh, Right. I assume that California would have one. Uh, so let's say oh, Oregon. Well, I'll give it to you because part of the movie does take place in Oregon. But the, the big set piece is San Francisco. Oh, no. I assumed that you were going to say bloody Godzilla 2014 and that was in San Francisco. <laughs> See, I tried to avoid the obvious ones because like, you know, oh, Godzilla okay. 2014, King Kong, even Godzilla 98. You know, mm-hmm. those are those are the obvious ones. So I tried to kind of skew. Oh, so man, I thought you were going to toss me a freebie somewhere. <laughs> well, no, I will give you that one because the 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 
first attacks that the octopus does is in Oregon, and then it moves down to okay. California. So I, I saw Oregon is Oregon is in the movie. It's just not the big sentence. Nice. Okay. Uh, I, fact, I, I, octopuses have incredibly short life terms. Like none of them last for more than a year. So wow. I reckon, you know, it's not a threat. Just move everyone uh, in in inland for a bit, and then you know you come back, and the octopus is dead. Yeah, just just move in, just move inland for a year, and then come back, and everything is good. Uh, another thing that makes this this uh, game even harder is you are not the biggest expert on monster movies either. So. <laughs> No, not not kaiju movies in any case. But I, you know, I can, I, I can, I can go with, I can roll with it. I can do this. I, I I'm going to get at least three out of ten. I'm predicting. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Attack of the Giant Leeches. This is an old school movie. Um, I'm going to guess Great Lakes. Uh, so let's say Michigan. Nope. Uh, good guess for for Great Lakes, but actually it takes place down in Florida in the Everglades. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's the tropics. Down, oh, leeches! What the hell is wrong with me? Yeah, he, down in the swamps of Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> all right. I'll give you. I'll give you a freebie because I think you'll get this one. Okay, Lake Placid. Um. Uh, we did that last year. Uh, Maine. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's why I thought it was gonna be a freebie. (laughs) Yes, fun fact though. Uh, so you know, they talk about how uh, crocodiles can't make it up to Maine. Mm -hmm. Saltwater crocodiles have made it from Australia all the way up to Japan, though. Oh, wow, yeah, so they can it's they can go that far north for sure. I'm just not sure they would be able to cross the entire Pacific and then go through the Panama Canal, and then swim up to Maine. Right. Yeah, that's kind of a yeah. kind of a tall order. They have made it across New Zealand, but after that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for for the main one, I almost put... Uh, what's that movie? What's that, what's that Stephen King movie? Um, the Mist. I almost put The Mist oh, in there. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's Stephen King. Of course it takes place in Maine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the next movie is The Blob, 1950s movie, The Blob. Oh, blob. Uh, they send it up to the Arctic or Antarctica at the end, don't they? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's kind, of, it's kind of a small town thing, though. Yep. Isn't it? Like, there's the, the mayor involved and the sheriff and all that sort of stuff, which means it could be anywhere. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and say Montana. Um, nope. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Oh my God. That's the, uh, that, that's so far away. That is just. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and fun fact, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, but um, the theater that is a big set piece in that movie where like all the, uh, the Mm -hmm. blob comes into the theater and all the uh, people run out uh, actually exists as a real theater. And they used to have blob fest there and they had a pail. Oh, nice. They had a a metal pail that actually had the original goo, the original blob that they used for the movie. That's still kind of viscous uh, in, in a roast. Yeah, and so it's been a long-running thing on the podcast of, like, I want to see the goo. 
I want to go see the goo. Yeah, I must, absolutely. I must at some point go see that goo because that's cool. That's like, you know, the movie's like, yeah. oh, like what, 60, 60 years old or 60 to 70 years yeah. old now. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I want to go see it. I want to go see the goo. <laughs> so much more of a like a horrifying violent movie than i imagined like when you think of like oh there's this big pink blob terrorizing a town you're like oh this will be a fun romp my god i'm glad i didn't show my kid that one yeah yeah uh, although i saw it as a kid and it did it, it scared me but i i still love it. it's still one of my favorites i i'm one of those kids okay nice. so i saw a lot of scary movies when i was a kid that i really should not have seen so yeah. you can't can't go by my experience <laughs> yeah uh now this one i think might be kind of a difficult one uh this one is interesting so it's a quiet place oh i should know this um uh come on come on come on, come on, come on. forests uh it looked very norwegian so i'm gonna guess again around the great lake somewhere uh, could be even upstate new york uh, I'm yeah. I'm gonna say upstate New York. So New York. You got it. You yes. got it. <laughs> I thought that would throw you off because when most people think of New York, they don't think of you know mountains and forests and trees and stuff. But it's like no. Yeah. That's upstate New York. <laughs> I was gonna go. Uh, I was gonna go with uh, Michigan, but then I remember that Michigan has very distinctive accents, and John Krasinski and Emily Blunt both sounded what we call generican. Yeah. All right. The next. Right, so what one, am I on? I'm on two, two and a half. Yeah, two, <laughs> two and a half. So uh, the next one is a movie about giant ants called Them. Oh, I, I, we use this as an example of why insects can't be this big over and over again because ants are so fascinating. But I have no idea where this movie was set. Um. <laughs> oh God. Even if you get somewhere close to it, I will give you the point. Okay, so like bordering state? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's just take a wild pot shot and say, or New Mexico. Ah, you got it exactly. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the majority no, of the movie wow, takes okay. place in New Mexico. Cool. Yeah. Okay, that was, uh, that was a wild guess. My, uh, my wife uh, lived for a year in New Mexico, so that's the only reason I was like, let's just go with this one. Yeah, yeah. I figured, I figured, it, like, even if you got somewhere, it's like, okay, it's desert, so it's got to be one of these, like, four states. I would have been like, okay, yeah, I'll give you the point. Yeah. But no, you got it dead on. Yep, New Mexico. Now, the movie does nice. move over to California at the end of the movie. It goes to Los Angeles, but majority of it takes place in New Mexico. So I count it as New Mexico. Nice. Okay, so we got three and a half. Beat my expectations. I'm done. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. Let's do this volume. Yeah. No, no, right. no, 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 no. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, all right. Next one is one that's very near and dear to both of our hearts because it is Tremors. Oh, gorgeous. Uh, Nevada. Yes. Yes. Is it Nevada? Oh, thank God. Yes. Perfection Nevada. I... What, what is it? What is it in like the third movie when they go back in time? It's like Desolation or? Uh, it was Imperfection. Imperfection. Oh, okay. yeah. And then they took the M off and just put Perfection. Nice. Yeah. Oh. Four and a half. I am. I am God. Kneel and, before me. <laughs> and and the reason why that's near and dear to our hearts is because that was the first movie that you reviewed with us on the podcast. So 
Yeah, and it's, it's just such a blast, that movie. I expected nothing from it going in, and it's just so much fun. It really is. All right. Topical movie because this director just released a big movie fairly recently, but Slither, mm -hmm. directed by James Gunn. Oh, we looked at this earlier, looking at Parasites, but I still haven't actually seen this one. Um, Michael Rooker, uh, Elizabeth Banks... I don't know why I'm saying actors' names. They're not going to help yeah, me. Those are not um, states. <laughs> yeah, they are not states. Nathan Fillion. The great state of Nathan Fillion. The great uh, state of Nathan Fillion. I would live there. Yeah, absolutely. Just to hear his soothing tones. Mm -hmm. Captain Malcolm. Um, I got no idea. Let's just go with Iowa. Uh, no, it's actually South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay, so I was uh, only three thousand kilometers off. Yeah, yeah. Three, good, yeah, good long way. Too bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so have you had a chance to see the new The Suicide Squad movie? I haven't because I am uh, deathly paranoid of going to the movies uh, at the moment right. because we have had a massive spike in cases here. So I'm just like, nope, can't do it. And also, uh, yeah, we used up all our babysitting credit recently. So I yeah. can't, you know, <laughs> warn my son off to somebody else uh, and, okay. uh, and go see a movie with my wife. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I got to watch it. I watched it on uh, HBO Max for the because um, it was same yeah. day release on HBO Max. So I got to watch it and uh, pretty fun. I mean, it's definitely a James Gunn movie. Yeah, and I have only heard good things. We actually covered it on the podcast because of the enormous starfish. Oh yeah, it, it makes sense. the The yeah. idea that it's reproducing parts of itself that are basically just extensions of its own consciousness yeah it's kind of cool i like i like the idea behind that uh and of course uh uh king shark is just a big big just fluffy puppy dog that just likes to murder people and and <laughs> i just loved him <laughs> all right last movie and this one's a kind of a tricky mm -hmm. one too uh but i wanted to throw it in there uh may not count as a giant monster movie depending on your uh definition uh, and no, it's not Clifford. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Bunker. Uh, could yep. be anywhere. Could be anywhere. <laughs> John Goodman doing his normal accent, right? Uh, oh, no idea. Um, where are all those doomsday preppers in America? They're mainly down in the south, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say... No, because like the... No, the, then the accent would have stuck out like a sore thumb. I'm going to say Indiana. Mm. Uh, our friend and, and sometimes guest host uh, Nathan would be happy if it was, but it's actually filmed and uh, set in Louisiana. Louisiana? Oh, I should have gone further south. Yeah. I was uh, going to say Arkansas, but I was like, no, that's... <laughs> the the main character um and i forget her name but uh, the main character she was leaving new orleans when she got oh, into okay. the mary so, elizabeth winstead yeah mary elizabeth winstead uh so somewhere in louisiana so not far from new orleans is where it takes place <sighs> damn it oh well four and a half out of ten ain't bad 
Yeah, no, you did you did much better than I than I thought you would, and probably that you <laughs> thought you would. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I was I was I was aiming for three, and I got four and a half, so I'm I'm a happy man. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's so funny that there's so many monster movies set in different states, and and I just love that every every state basically has its own monster movie at this point. <laughs> Yeah, because it really does feel like when when you think of American films, it seems like always everything either happens, especially when it's you know a big catastrophe. Everything happens to either L.A. or New York. Maybe San right. Francisco gets a look in every now and then. Yeah, or Las Vegas every once in a while. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah. always a, Vegas is always better for being destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Partly because I don't feel yeah. sorry for anybody once when Vegas is destroyed. No, no. <laughs> I've been to Vegas once and it is the only place I've visited in America that I did not like. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun. Hopefully listeners found that fun and it filled in the time that we would normally dedicate to our news segment. So. <laughs> when I would just sit here understanding nothing but enjoying everything yeah asking you what's your what's your opinion about uh shin shin ultraman you're like what (laughs) sorry what ultraman's shins like does he have problems does he have splints what's going on there yeah he's getting kind of old and he's and his bones are getting weaker and brittle all right well we can get into our main topic this week so we usually like to ask a trivia question to hint to what our topics are and so the trivia question i asked last week was what giant creature film held the record as the most expensive movie made in the usa until it was beaten by superman returns in 2000 2006. Now, I have to bring up because um, let me see where his name is. Uh, Mac McClintock tweeted at me saying that he's not 100% sure on the validity of that fact. And uh, thank you, Mac, for keeping us honest because you're right. Uh, it is actually a disputed fact. Some people claim that it's that that superman returns what what it is is superman returns is uh budget and the money that was spent on it uh are kind of in conflict uh because the studio kind of did some fudging of the numbers to make it seem like they didn't lose as much money as they actually did Mm. um so so the official numbers that we have actually makes this fact false but People have come out and said the official numbers that are released are not real. So this fact could be true, could not. But just wanted to bring that up because Mac did tweet us uh, to let us know. And I told him I would bring it up on the podcast. Thank you for keeping us honest. And at the end of the day, we never know how much these people spend on marketing. So, right. Yeah. And who knows how much really was spent. You know, that the question and the fact may not hold up to scrutiny for like something like Jeopardy or, or you know, a more respected thing. But we have no respect here on this podcast. <laughs> there is no self-respect on this podcast. <laughs> and it's We're, also like, I mean, you look at the films that came out, you know, after that, and there's only one kaiju film on there. So, you know. Right. Yeah. I think the answer is kind of obvious. Right. Exactly. Well, let's see what the answers we got were. Uh. So starting with Jojira, he said, Kaijus of the Caribbean on the hollower earth. (laughs) I like that. That's a good one. Uh, Then we have Damon Noyes, 
who sent us why haven't i won an oscar yet the andy andy circus story a tragedy as told by cgi characters <laughs> i mean yeah I, I understand the uh the argument around that but this this is not an oscar worthy performance you, you could argue that maybe the planet of the apes movies are but not this yeah one. i would say he he deserves an oscar at some point but definitely not for this film uh <laughs> uh although he did good i mean like i'm not i'm not gonna say he did bad he did good but but yeah i i, yeah. I still think he that he did much better performances in other films then we have from uh nathan uh, our friend over from the monster island film vault zarkor versus craw but mostly because it had to be filmed three times due to the titular stars refusing to come out of their huge trailers half the time during filming I'll be honest, that movie just sounds like a bunch of noises that crows would make going back and forth. <laughs> Zarkor versus Craw. So Craw and Zarkor are both uh, movies, and I haven't seen either one of them. Uh, Craw, I have heard, is really, really bad, um, but in a fun way. So so I'm sure we're going to cover it on the podcast at some point. <laughs> Craw the Sea Monster, 1998. Ooh, that was a lot uh, a lot more recent than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I know. That's that's what I think that's why it's so bad because it's like yeah it's a movie that yeah. probably should have been made in like 1950 something <laughs> not not 1998 mm-hmm. very strange looking monster <laughs> oh man oh, my God. <laughs> so my uh one of my favorite answers from this week was from raymond martin who sent in king thong attack of the giant wedgie yeah i mean look I would appreciate him wearing underwear because then I could ignore the fact that he is going around without genitals for the entire time. I, I get why they do it. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not out here trying to watch the butthole cut of cats or anything like that. <laughs> but it is it is just, you know, staring you in the face. Or I should say not staring you in not, the face. Not staring. Yeah. <laughs> I still think you your podcast, uh, Cinematic Animalia, doing the episode on cats is still one of my favorite episodes that you guys have ever done (laughs) (laughs) it was basically just an excuse for me and adam to explain why people should keep their cats inside as opposed to just yelling at people every single week uh jimmy from nasa uh our uh I just realized that he changed his profile picture to being Kenny uh, from South Park. And it's just made me laugh. Um, Jimmy from NASA said, a talking ape? No, this this one doesn't talk. So no, you're wrong. You're you're wrong, Jimmy. And what what department of NASA do you work for? Yeah. I want to know. I'm going to report this to your boss that you were wrong on this very important trivia question. Yeah, because NASA is very interested in your knowledge of apes (laughs) you have to know a lot about apes to work at nasa (laughs) yeah you gotta know which ones to send up in the test rockets yeah exactly uh and then our friends over at the giant monster bs podcast said don't make me say it and they sent us (laughs) monsters inc that's a, a running running joke. Yeah, and as we talked about last time, Sully, actually uh, one of the pioneering kind of moments for CGI uh, fur mm-hmm. in film. Yeah, we would not have King Kong without Sully. No. Well, you might, but he just might look a bit crap. That's right, like. yeah, look a lot different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Elijah, uh, host of the Kaiju Conversations podcast, sent us, of course, King Yeti. <laughs> Because I, yeah. <laughs> you gotta get a yeti in there somewhere. Yeah, 
Uh, and then uh, Crystal Lady Jessica sent us Dance Off, starring Shaq and Cuddles the Cat. Now, I I need to know if this is a real movie. I need to know. <laughs> yeah, because this sounds exactly like the sort of thing Shaq would have done, like when he was getting to the end of his basketball career in the like mid nineties. Yeah, exactly. When he was doing Steel and might not be. I don't think this is real. No. Ah, man, I was really hoping this would be real. It it sounds exactly like the sort of thing he would have done. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's, um, maybe Sinbad's the one who did it instead of Shaq. Maybe that's the, and we were just Mandela affected. Also, I got my uh, years way wrong. Shaq was playing uh, basketball until 10 years ago. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I thought he was, like, uh, retired the same time as Michael Jordan. I was way off. Yeah, man. He kept going for a while. And then uh, we also have an answer from uh, at Angiris Energy, who is uh, someone who wishes he was on this episode, but decided to uh, leave for the weekend and left me by myself with my guest host. Um <laughs> Uh, uh, he said escape from the mega monster ape battle beyond the fog of the prehistoric planet there's mashups and then there's then there's this bad boy yeah yeah (laughs) uh and then of course we mentioned matt mcclintock who kept us honest with his you know taking down of our of our facts but he also gave us the correct answer which is king kong 2005 uh, directed by Peter Jackson, starring Naomi Watts, Jack Black, Adrian Brody, Thomas Kretschmann, Colin Hanks, Jamie Bell, Andy Serkis, and Kyle Chandler. And the plot breakdown is a greedy film producer assembles a team of movie makers and sets out for the infamous Skull Island where they find more than they bargained for. It, it, it's King Kong. Everybody knows what King Kong, the plot to King Kong is. <laughs> yeah, it's King Kong. <laughs> uh, so starting with our opening thoughts, Sam, what are your opening thoughts on King Kong 2005? Uh, so this is actually one of the only films. So this Avengers Endgame and I think I went and saw the first Thor movie twice because I told my mum I'd see it with her and then I forgot and I went and saw it with another friend and then I had to go and see it with my mum because she guilted me. (laughs) Uh, So this Avengers Endgame and Thor, the first Thor, are the only films I've ever gone and seen twice uh, at the cinema. I loved this film when it came out. I just, I was, you know, 16, 17 years old. It was, uh, it just blew it was fantastic. Um, as I'll get into later, I don't think it holds up quite as well. Uh, my God, it is long. Uh, like it's, it just goes on forever. Yes. Um, but I, I mean, there's there's a lot of fun here. I I like seeing Naomi Watson stuff because uh, you know Australian actors. I always kind of want them to do well. Uh, I like seeing Thomas Kretschmann uh, in an American movie. Um, it's. I, I was a big fan of Jamie Bell because uh, Billy Elliot was one of my favorite movies growing oh, up. Nice. So I like the fact that Jamie Bell has kind of broken into Hollywood. Uh, and I like seeing Andy Serkis in the flesh as well. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't hate this movie. Uh, it's, it's it's kind of fun. There's, there's some fun to be had. And it, I just really appreciate it if it was an hour and a half shorter. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of where my thoughts are too. Uh, so... I don't hate this movie as much as I've talked about not being a big fan of, of 
King Kong as much as I am of Godzilla. And I was thinking about it the other night. I think this is the this movie was the turning point because when I was a kid, I did really like King Kong. I liked King Kong a lot. I still liked Godzilla more, but uh, but I think when I I was fifteen when this movie came out, and I went and saw it in the theaters, and I was so ready to walk out of the theater. And I had never walked out of a movie really? by that point. I was just like, this movie is so long. I'm so tired. I don't like, I, I'm just like bored. And yeah. And, and so by the time, finally the last 45 minutes came around, I was like, okay, I'm back in for this movie. And so, so I don't hate this yeah. movie because there are so many good things in it, but I think this movie was the thing that's kind of soured me on King Kong films where when skull Island came around, I was like, eh, I, I don't need to go see that on opening day. I can wait a little while to go see it. Whereas, you know, most movies when I'm excited for them, I'm yeah. like, I want to be there opening day. I want to go see them. And so I, yeah, this was the kind of the turning point for me on Kong on King Kong films. Um, yeah, but yeah, but like, like you brought out there's, there are so many great things in the movie that make it worth watching. Yeah. It's just so stinking long. <laughs> oh my God. It just goes on forever. And it was so uh, Libby, our, uh, our host on, uh, cinematic animalia. She's our writer. She, you know, reels us in when we're talking too much about the science and brings us back to how, you know, things work with plot because she herself is a writer. She talked about the fact that this is Peter Jackson fresh off of Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. and he didn't have somebody there to say no to him. Yes. Yeah. We compared it to JK Rowling after the first three Harry Potter books. Yeah. They were small. They were tight. There were obviously editors who were saying, no, cut this down. And then they just did so well that they let her do whatever she wanted. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened here. Yeah. Like they've just said, go nuts. Here's an enormous budget. We're not going to cut anything out. Have fun. Right. And he needed a no person. He needed somebody to say, no, this does not need to be in the film. Exactly. I, I That is exactly where I landed on it when I was, re when I was going back over it this week. Uh I and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this comparison, but I actually compared it to uh, the Star Wars prequels because George Lucas kind of had the same problem. Oh, God. just there was no one there to tell him no. Yeah, absolutely. It's like no, George, this is a bad idea. Oh yeah, and <laughs> nobody wants three hours of political intrigue and debate. Right, and it's just like, and I think it's the same situation here where no one was there to rein in Peter Jackson and he's such a fan of the original King Kong. Like he loves King Kong. He is a huge fan. He has, uh, you know, props from the original movie. He, he's like, he is a big fan. And I think that his fanboying for lack of a better term, uh, kind of got in the way of being a good director. Cause I think he was so excited to do this film that he forgot, Oh, I also have to kind of edit and cut things and, and make decisions where it's like, no, yeah. he was just like, Oh no, I love this. I'm going to put this in. I'm going to put that in. I'm going to put this. And then just, the film became so bloated because of that. And yeah. I think that that's, yeah, that's really my biggest problem with the film. Yeah, and he's paying homage to a film that is so much shorter. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, and that's that's how long was the original King Kong? Like just over two hours, right? Yeah, I think so. It wasn't it wasn't a short film, but it wasn't nearly as long as this. 
let's see, King Kong 33. 104 minutes with the overture at the end. So yeah, just under two hours. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I think that's what the problem is here is because Peter Jackson, so, so I, and I don't know, because I wasn't there when they were filming it. So I don't know that this is, but this is what I'm thinking happened with this film is Peter Jackson being a fan of the, of King Kong, the original, it's like, okay, well, we have to put all of this in because this is from that movie. But I also want to include this because yeah. this is stuff I always wanted to do if I had a King Kong film. And instead of, like, cutting one or the other to make room for the other ones, he just decided to put them both in yeah. and which ex- it bloated out the movie. And it's like, that's where yeah. I'm like, he forgot how to be a good director because a good director would say, yeah. okay, I, I want to pay homage to this, but I also want to include this. One of them has to be sacrificed. He didn't do that. He didn't sacrifice yeah. anything. He just kept it all in there. And I'm not like, uh, I'm not a filmmaker by any means. I don't know mm-hmm. anything about this. All I know is biology. So, yeah. <laughs> right. but this is just like, I love the idea of a fan making a movie. And I don't mean all these people who wanted to rewrite The Last Jedi and all that, sort right. of, all that sort of stuff. What I mean is somebody who grows up, becomes a filmmaker, is a director, and just makes something they're insanely passionate about. I think mm. that is fantastic. But, yeah, I, it just doesn't – It's yeah, he just needed somebody to say, no, cut this out. He needed somebody above him, you know, keeping an eye on him. Yeah, I, and, and I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I love the idea of a fan – becoming a becoming a director and and making a film making a film i also think that they need to also be able to have that you know mentality of while i am a fan i know i can't do everything i have to you know you have to kind of balance it and more often than not we get people who don't know how to balance it uh another example that i like to bring up is um uh luke basson when he did um, Valerian, oh, yeah. when he did Valerian, yeah. like Valerian, he was such a huge fan of the Valerian comics growing up. And he decided he wanted to throw everything into this movie. And it's like, no, it's suffer- yeah. it suffered because of it. I wanted to, I went to see that film because I was such, I'm such a big fan still of the fifth element. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, he's just going back to this sort of, this sort of weird sci-fi world. Right. And it yeah. was just, Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I did get a bit of that feeling while watching it, but yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah I, I, and I think Luke Basson is a great filmmaker. I, I think Peter Jackson, even though I did tweet out about it saying that I'm not a fan of his films, but I think he is a good filmmaker. His films may not always appeal to me, but I, I think he's a good filmmaker and it's just, yeah, they get, they get sidetracked by, by that. But, uh, but, but, now we've kind of talked about some of the th- problems that we had that, you know, we'll talk about some more in a little bit, but what are some positives? What are some specific positives that you have for this movie? Uh, yeah. Like I said earlier, I think there's a lot of fun to be had here. There's some really cool scenes. I, as much as I'll talk about some of the <laughs> the weird things in it later on, I love the big fight scene between the three uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex analogs. I think they're called Vastatosaurus Rex. Yeah. Um, and King Kong. Uh, I love the bug scene. I think the bug scene is hands down the best uh, scene in the movie. I think yeah. that's fantastic where uh, where a bunch of them get stuck in this huge pit and have to fight off a huge array of arthropods, yeah. uh, insects, crustaceans, all that sort of stuff, including those massive gut worms. Oh, those uh, oh, the worms. Oh, those worms. Yeah. Ugh. 
I love seeing, speaking of the worms, I love seeing Andy Serkis's face in a movie and not just, you know, his uh, motion capture work. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, I think the majority of the cast is great. Uh, it's fun seeing Kyle Chandler in a movie, considering he was in, you know, the, uh, the mm-hmm. legendary MonsterVerse. Yeah. Uh, 10, 15 years later. And look, this gave us the Planet of the Apes trilogy, which is outside of animated films. My, I guess, I mean, I know it's very heavily CGI animated, but it is my favorite modern trilogy by far, the Planet of the Apes trilogies. trilogy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I... <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't started yelling at me already about not being a big fan of, of the Lord of the Rings uh, since I tweeted out about it. Oh, it's, it's fine. Nobody's perfect. Uh, I'm also not the biggest fan of the Planet of the Apes uh, trilogy, the, the newer Planet of the Apes. Oh, you are a bad person. This is too far. <laughs> too goddamn far, sir. I don't know. I, don't, I, I think I'm just not a big apes person. Um, uh, but... <laughs> no, how dare good. you despise your fellow primates <laughs> i i do want to talk about kyle chandler for just a second kyle chandler's yeah of course yeah. movie like trajectory his his like uh his career trajectory is the trajectory i would want if i was an actor because he went from being like a tv star to being everyone's dad to so now his <laughs> like his 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 go-to thing is he is the guy who gets called in to look astonished at a big monster. Cause he has been in, yeah. he was in the day the earth stood still. He was in super eight. He was in King Kong 2005. Mm-hmm. Then he's been in King of the monsters, Godzilla King of the monsters and uh, Godzilla versus Kong. So it's like <laughs> glorified cameo though, in Godzilla versus Kong to be fair. True. True. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, but still it's like, you know, his, his, his career trajectory is just look over at that green screen and look astonished. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like, which it. he does well. Yeah. He does well. Uh, I think he's, I think he's really fun in this, in this movie. I like that. He's not playing the hero. He's playing kind of a, a goof and kind of a, a wimp. And that yeah. that's fun. That's fun to that, see. That, that scene where it's just like uh, he checks out himself with the with the mustache. Yeah, I, lo- I love that scene. He's just like, oh hey, yeah, he's so he great. Yeah, all of the actors in this, I, I agree with you. All of the actors in here really are great. Um, when I first saw this, I wasn't sure about Jack Black in this movie because you know Jack Black had done a lot of comedies. He had not really done a lot of serious roles, and so I was kind of. I was a little taken aback by Jack Black, but revisiting this movie, he actually turns in a really good performance. And and I was very surprised by that. Yeah. I think Jack Black is a surprisingly good actor in some, in some films. I, I'm always taken aback by how, how much I'm entertained by somebody who is often very reliant on, let's say toilet humor. Mm -hmm. Like I, I remember uh, watching Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Jack Black in that movie. Oh yeah, so much of it is just fart jokes and uh, and again, yeah, toilet humor. But I, I don't care. I'm just like, this is fantastic. I, I I love seeing Jack Black Black and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's always he's always fun. And but I just I think it's a I think it's great that he can 
get the chance from time to time to show his range. Uh, and, and this was yep. kind of the first movie that I remember seeing where it's like, oh, yeah, no, he can actually do something besides just the the uh, School of Rock uh, or um, Tenacious D type yeah. type character. Um you you did mention you did mention the the fight between the V-Rex and the uh and and Kong which is kind of like the the center set piece or the center action scene of this whole movie like that's that's the yeah. big one that's the one that people think of when they think of this movie for me the it, I, I love that scene but it kind of illustrates a thing that that I feel about this whole movie because every time you think the fight's over, it just keeps going, and it just and then it, and it kind of dies oh, down yeah. a little bit, and then it just keeps going, and it's like, oh no, that's kind of like yeah. just how this whole movie is. Every time you think it's just about over with, yeah. it just keeps going um, because there's a few moments where like you think everything's you know safe or everything's dying down, the action's kind of over, with, and then all of a sudden boom they're right back to doing it and they're and going and going and it's just yeah it's great but but i i did love that fight scene yeah. for me the centerpiece of this movie will always be the bug scene though oh I yeah love that bug scene so much and it's yeah. great that it got to I, I you know we talked about how peter jackson including things uh and then not cutting i i do think he should have done a lot more editing in this but one of the things that he included in this film that i'm glad he did was that bug scene because the original 1933 film did have a bug pit scene that got cut and it's lost that scene is now lost to time we just yeah we don't have uh any we have some some pieces to show what it would have looked like and so like what the miniatures looked like but the actual footage the actual film is gone of that scene so there's a piece of that 1933 king kong film that's just lost to time and and uh uh i'm glad that peter jackson was able to include a bug pit scene in this film what did you think of kong once he got to new york though uh look i love skull island i think it's a fascinating place it gives people chance to uh gives directors writers chances to create entirely new worlds Mm -hmm. i just that's my favorite part of any Kong film, which is why I like Kong Skull Island so much because you just spend the entire time on the island meeting mm-hmm. these fascinating new creatures the entire movie. And I just, when we get back there and you meet these producers who were there at the start of the movie, I mean, at that point it was like three, two and a half, three hours ago. So it was just like, oh yeah, some of this movie took place in New York already. Um, and I just doesn't, I like the bit where he breaks out of the chains mm-hmm. and when he smells and then locks eyes with Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's so drawn out and it doesn't have any of the fun of mm. that scene in um, the scenes on the island. There's none of the fun or excitement, and it's it again. It's just so drawn out. And at that point, I was just begging the film to end. Yeah. I uh I I I think technically and the the that part of the film is done well. I think you know the 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 action sequences are done well. I think the the uh the um the of course Kong and I think that even the quieter moment of of Kong uh skating on the ice was kind of a fun little moment and stuff. So so I think you know as far as the technical side of things, I think it's done well, but I'm with you. I'm like, it's so drawn out. And for me, it felt like it's only there because it needed to be there. 
Like, you know, you, you couldn't have yeah. a King Kong film that just took place on the island, even though we have now had a King, a King Kong film that has taken yeah. place just on the island. But it's just... It, it, at the Which time is still my favorite monster burst movie yeah, yeah yeah and it's like and so i wish it's it goes back to again i wish that peter jackson would have maybe stopped trying to just recreate king kong and tried to make a good movie because then he might have just made yeah. everything on skull island and and this the last bit of kong in new york wouldn't have felt like it was just tacked on because it had to be there so i don't think anything in new york really adds anything to the film other than just an extra 45 minutes <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah but I, I did want to talk a little bit about that because i know you i i you know talking to you having you on the podcast i know you are a fan of skull island so i know that majority of what mm. we're going to talk about moving on is going to be about the skull island part so i wanted to just touch on the new york part absolutely yeah no and yes it's i mean it has to be there in a king kong movie but yeah it's just i i didn't find that interesting at all yeah yeah, yeah. my cat is being oh hello <laughs> why are you rubbing your face on my microphone okay uh yeah, let's do some so, some more dislikes. Let's kind of finish off our our sandwich. Our po- we like yeah. to do a positivity sandwich with with a few more dislikes. Yes. Okay. So there are some, and Libby pointed this out to me um, again from uh, from Cinematic Animalia. There's a lot of weird kind of stuff going on in the first half of the movie mm-hmm. with like the Dutch angles that happen all the time. Uh, there's this camera spike that Jack Black does. And he's like, I'm real good at crap in the crappers, which is just so out of nowhere and feels just very strange. And then when Adrian Brody finds out that the place is called skull Island, there's this really odd exaggerating, mm-hmm. uh, uh, typewriter tapping scene. It's just so weird. And then all of that stuff just gets, shoved aside about halfway through the movie and it never gets revisited. Yeah. And it's so weird. Uh, and the other thing that is, I never noticed it as a 16 year old, but coming back to it. Uh, so my wife is a social anthropologist and we were watching that scene at the start with the indigenous group. And wow, that's uh that has not aged well. Yeah. Uh, that <laughs> was, God. that was one of my biggest problems revisiting this movie. Uh, I, I didn't like it. When I watched it as a as a teenager, just because I didn't like the the Islanders, I thought they were weird. But as a as an adult and yeah. in the modern day, I'm like, ooh, that's ooh, that's kind yeah. of not a great portrayal. I had a look into this because I wanted to know if people had talked about it back then, and there were a few commentators who were just like, "What is going on here?" And Peter Jackson and his team were like, "We moved this movie to South Asia because we didn't want to be like, hey, here's a bunch of Africans who were savages," mm-hmm. but it's a gorilla. You don't find them anywhere else in the world. And they're still dark skinned. You're not making anything better. Like who were they fooling? Right. I I don't know. They're still dark skinned and they're covered in mud and gross. And so just really just completely naked most of the time and not really communicating with each other. And the weird thing is that they have, and Dave and Adam pointed this out on the podcast, they do show the constructions that this group of people have put together. Like the engineering capabilities behind this massive wall Mm 
mm-hmm. are enormous. So maybe there's been some loss of knowledge along the way where, um, and this, my wife has assured me, like I said, she's a social anthropologist, this does happen. Like where you have groups where people carrying the knowledge die mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have kind of a cultural regression, right. which could have happened here, but we don't see any of that. Right, yeah. You don't really see much of a culture at all in there like other than just their ritual of king kong but there's not much else to them and and i think that's one of the things that we've we've talked about like with skull island kong skull island that they did really well like they had this these 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 islanders who had a culture they had a language like you could see the language written down on places even on their skin they had you know it painted on their face so it's like you can tell that these feel like real a real living group of people these ones on the in this movie they don't feel real they just yeah. feel like a nightmare the iwi people are fantastic yeah mm-hmm. i love the iwi i hated that in kong versus godzilla they were just like oh yeah they all got wiped out by a storm that, that was yeah. one of my least favorite parts of that film yeah just that throwaway line i'm like what uh-huh what yeah it's it, it yeah that was that yeah. to me is one of the worst parts too but we are getting a kong series so maybe okay. that's going to explore the kind of iwi and in history of them some more so maybe cool yeah i would love to find out that they just retreated into the hollow earth and survived yeah oh yeah definitely would love that but yeah you, you know they, they had clothing they had unique clothing that was like you know looked like it was yeah. manufactured and made and and they didn't speak you know when when the the outsiders came in but you could tell that they were communicating with each other and and they had this <laughs> our theory on um uh-huh. our theory on the podcast was that they because they give this implication that they've kind of transcended the need for right. uh for verbal communication they're above that but my our theory was that when john c Riley came in they were all just so annoyed by him and he's constantly <laughs> talking they were just like look let's just tell them that we never talk yeah and so we don't have to have conversations with him <laughs> And then he decides to stick around. So they're just like, okay, for the next 30 years, I guess we've just got to keep this charade up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, huh, I wonder if that works. I have a few people that, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's against my culture. Sorry, I lost to my speak. voice. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I'm right there with you with these, with the people, uh, the Islanders for this movie are so they're, they're just very simple. They're not they They don't seem to have a culture. They don't seem to have a backstory. There's nothing there other than just to be the foil that brings Naomi Watts to Kong. Yeah. There's, there's no other purpose yeah. behind them. And I want people to know that neither one of us hate this movie. Like, like I, I feel like we have done, no, you know, no, not at all. We've done a good job of talking about the the positive side of this movie a good bit. Like I, I do think there's yeah. there's a lot to say positively about this movie, but just yeah, yeah I don't know. I it doesn't. And at the end of the day, it's the length. At the end of the day, it's just the length. If this was an hour and a half shorter, I would love this movie because there's so mm-hmm. much fun to be had in it. But it's just it's so long. Yeah, I think there's there's some some big problems that. I can't get over, but ultimately I, there's still a lot to, ha- a lot to have fun with in this movie. Um, but yeah. So one of the things I love about having you on, 
uh, is that you get to bring this kind of like academic side to the uh, to the yeah. podcast because me and Michael we're just two idiots talking about giant monster movies. Um, but you kind of bring some a little bit of legitimacy to our podcast <laughs> now that now that you're uh, Doctor <laughs> Big Doctor Fishboy instead of uh, just Big, big Doctor Fishboy. Yes, regular sized Doctor Fishboy was my father. Yeah. <laughs> No, he's also a very tall man. <laughs> now that you actually have the doctor part of this of the name, that that you know brings a little legitimacy mm-hmm. to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to give you the floor to talk about you know some of the things that you uh, you found interesting or that you had problems with um, from a scientific side. So I said this last time, and I didn't keep to it. I promise I will keep to it this time. I'm not going to talk about anything size, although everything is a lot more realistic here. But what I wanted to dwell on is the fight scene. Because as you said, it's like the big centerpiece of the monster movie aspect of this film. Uh, And there's a lot of stuff that, even as a kid, I was just like, is that, what's what's going on there? What's happening there? Uh, So, for instance, when Naomi Watts first sees the the V-Rex, I I refer to it as T-Rex in my notes, but it's a V-Rex, it's already eating something. Mm. Like, it has caught prey that is substantially larger than Naomi Watts and it sees her and it's just like oh well I mean I've got this enormous uh, bit of food right here that I could chow down on or I could get that stick insect uh, <laughs> right there and it it just makes no sense because carnivores we've we've kind of misportrayed carnivores in a lot of movies mm-hmm. if they've got a kill and you're not threatening to take that kill from them. Most of the time, they're not really going to mess with you. Herbivores, on the other hand, are prey animals and are used to being wary and will just freak out and charge you. Mm. Some of the most dangerous uh, animals in the animal kingdom are prey animals. Up here in Norway, you really want to stay away from moose if you get too close to a moose accidentally because they will normally stay the hell away from you. But if you get too close to it accidentally, they'll just charge because they've got to defend themselves. They're used to being on edge. Um, a T-Rex that is eating is not a threat most of the time. Right. So uh, let me ask you real quick before we move on to the next point. Could it, and, and this is just me not having any knowledge of this stuff, uh, would would it yeah. make sense if it was something maybe uh, a protecting of its territory? Or do you think that the behavior was more in line with like trying to eat, not? Uh, I don't think a T-Rex would have, a V-Rex would have seen something that, this, that was the size of Naomi Watts and been potentially threatened by it. Okay. Uh, even if they had a kid nearby. And you know what? There has been some interesting suggestions that T-Rex may have been kind of uh, social animals mm-hmm. that operated in groups, uh, which is clearly happening here because there's three of them in a very small area. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Potentially, you know, this is their territory, but I don't think they would be worried about something the size of uh, Naomi Watts. Right. Um, but look, the there's even there's a lot of debates about the you know T Rexes and those sort of species because we, I mean, we know so little about them. We infer a little bit from the fossils we find, where we find the fossils, what conditions they're in. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, a lot of it's still real guesswork. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of debates at the moment about whether a T Rex could even run or whether it would just be a fast walk, like how mm-hmm. how fast a T-Rex could get up to. Like some people say 60 kilometers. A lot of people say they would have had to be ambush predators because there's no way they would have been able to do more than 30 kilometers an hour. Um, 
so the athleticism that they display in this fight, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's probably not, but it's certainly, I don't know, you can take liberties with this sort of stuff, and I don't think that that's too much of a, uh, a liberty to take. Right. One thing which is, sorry, I'm, I'm going through the topics very fast here. Uh-huh. Oh, that's fine. One of the things, though, that, uh, again, I wasn't like some sort of biological prodigy as a kid, but it's just some, something that popped out straight away is when Kong gets bitten uh-huh. by the T-Rex, that's it. His arm is toast. It is over. Like uh, T-Rexes had a bite force strength of... where I've got the figures here because Dave does some insane maths whenever we get to these sort of uh, episodes. And he found that T-Rexes probably had a, a bite strength of... 431,000 pounds per square inch. Uh, the biggest living crocodiles uh, currently hold the world for measured bite forces, and they're found to be, they're reckoned to be about 3,700 pounds. We come in at about 20 times less than that. Mm-hmm. So the moment that the T Rex or the V Rex, sorry, closes his arm, uh, closes his jaws on Kong's arm, it's, it's over. Right. Like Kong is not going to be able to use that arm properly because those things are ripping through his muscles. Mm-hmm. They're probably removing skin from bone. That that is he's done. He's done. Right. <laughs> yeah. And crocodile jaws. I don't know if it's the same for T Rex jaws, but crocodile jaws are designed to close. Right. Like all the force in a crocodile's jaws is designed to snap shut. So there's that myth about you being able to keep a croc's jaws closed fairly fairly easily. Mm-hmm. That's actually true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if the theory of you can keep a croc's jaws closed with rubber bands is true, but it's it's not that much. There's not that much force needed to keep a croc's jaws closed. Cl- closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he's like prying it apart at the end, r- wrong wrong way to do. Wrong way to right, go. He should yeah. just keep it closed real easily with like one hand, and then just pound the pound its skull. Like, right. The, the whole ripping things open, not not the way to go, Colt. Uh, but my favourite bit of this is when the T-Rex is hanging from the vines, so it would be incredibly distressed, right? Uh-huh. Insanely distressed. Like, it's in a horrible position. All it were trying to be doing was getting out of that and uh-huh. just hanging. It's hanging in the middle of a ravine. It would be terrified. And it sees Naomi Watts and it forgets everything. And it's just like, nah, yep. I'm going to figure out angular momentum yep. and swing myself across to it. I am so glad you brought this part up because I was watching <laughs> yeah. this last night and I thought the same exact thing. I'm like, okay, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a, a biologist by any means, but I don't think an animal knows, hey, I'm swinging. I can push myself off this part to swing to that part. That's just not what, especially <laughs> a, a, an animal like a T-Rex or like a, like a, a, a reptile, which is what these are kind of more uh, designed after. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like there's something that it would know how to do. No. Yeah. And like I said, this is going to be an incredibly distressed T-Rex, mm. uh, V-Rex, sorry. It has just been beaten half to a pulp by a massive ape. Uh, and it's just hanging there precariously, waiting to drop and die. Like it, it, it wouldn't be. Yeah, it, it would not be focused on food. It would be focused on its own survival. Right. That's one thing that even I, that I've learned from watching a lot of David Attenborough documentaries and stuff is one thing about uh, about carnivores, about animals that are they're going at predators, yeah. is 
if the animal that they're going after puts up a big enough fight, they will stop because they have to expend a lot of energy to get that animal. And if their energy is devoted to fighting off the animal, then it's just not worth it. The, the, the payback of yeah. getting the food is not worth the energy they're expending. So at, at this point, and, and I'm in my head, I'm thinking like these T-Rex or V-Rex, they would have given up. They would have been like, okay, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it to keep fighting. No. Yeah. Because Kong puts up a real good fight and mm-hmm. that it is, it's a huge risk. Like you have to limp off and tend your wounds. Like one of those punches potentially could have cracked a rib, which is a massive issue for these sort of uh, these sort of animals. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I think they would have given up early on. Yeah, so that's something even even me looking at. I'm like, uh, like yeah, this this doesn't make a lot of sense. It's it's a fun scene, but it doesn't make a lot of sense in the real yeah. world. <laughs> and I guess if it was a massive carcass, and maybe they had uh, you know babies in a crèche somewhere nearby. Then, yeah. yeah, okay, that makes it a little more believable that they would fight over the carcass, but they're not fighting over a carcass. They are fighting over something that isn't going to feed even one of them substantially. Yeah, because even during the fight, I noticed that if you're watching, when you watch it, that the V-Rex, a lot of them are not even paying that much attention to Kong other than just he's an obstacle. They're still focused on Naomi Watts, and it's like, okay, if they're that hungry... Kong is a much bigger, <laughs> bigger prize. Why are they so yeah. focused on this one little morsel? <laughs> yeah, you would be trying to chow down on Kong. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very odd, yeah. But like I said, it's still a really fun scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I talked about this last time when we talked about Kong Skull Island, the fact that I love that because you can't have Kong fight a dinosaur in a movie if it's not uh, owned by Universal, Mm-hmm. you have to make up or you have to come up with some new species. Mm-hmm. And I love that aspect of creativity that you saw in Kong Skull Island. So I really miss that here because I mean, we've got the V-Rex, but it's just a T-Rex analog. You've got the, right. um, the Venatosaurs, which are the, the kind of the Velociraptor analogs, much oh, bigger yeah. than Velociraptor, more like Utah Raptor, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, and you've got Brontosauruses, which is a straight up, you know, that's just a, a right. species of dinosaur. Uh, it, and I, I hate that because we've had 65 million years since the majority of the dinosaurs went extinct. So, you know, give us something new. And there was a book that came out in late 2005 after the movie came out called The World of Kong and Natural History of Skull Island, which gave us a lot of those creatures, a lot of really interesting creatures. It mm. talked about... Um, some of the other species on Skull Island, including uh, the Piranodon, which was actually in a deleted cut. Uh, mm. Some some things did actually get deleted from this film. I found out there's a, <laughs> yeah, a really surprising cool scene with a kind of yeah a snake like uh, thing with a piranha face. They qualified it though. They're like, this is not a uh, this is not a piranha. This is a reptile that just happens to bear a superficial resemblance to a piranha. Uh, they had the swamp wing, which were these kind of flying predatory frogs, which would have been really cool to see. Oh, Although wow. most frogs are predatory already. Yeah, they had Doug. Uh, no, sorry, Doug, you, um, the Fetodon. Right, uh, yeah. Which popped up again in... Um, that that does actually pop up. That's the thing that T-Rex snacks on initially. Oh, and there yeah. was like just a fun... Uh, a ton of like flying lizards and uh, ceratopsids, so like uh, triceratops uh, mm-hmm. relatives, that sort of thing. And we don't get to see any of them. And that would have been so damn cool. And they go into a bit of detail in this book. And you know what? It doesn't hold up if you go into it like 
you know, on a, on a really scientific level, but they've at least tried, you know, it looks like they've gotten, you know, kind of a speculative biologist in to, you know, make up some stories for this. And it's really cool. So I don't understand why all that sort of stuff got cut from the film. This is a question I have to ask for you. Why were the T-Rexes such a big focus? Was it just Jurassic Park fever? Uh, I think, I think it, well, one, yeah, because you, that's going to get audiences in as a T-Rex. But uh, also I think yeah. it comes back down to, like we were talking about with Peter Jackson, that he was so beholden to what the classic, what your original King Kong had. And the original King Kong had dinosaurs. So I think he was leaning more towards let's do dinosaur type things. Let's do what kind of what the original one did. And let's not bring in all of these weird, you know, stuff that's not part of the original film and i i think i think yeah. it is to its detriment you know like we've talked about i think that yeah. he he should have had a a a no guy there who was like no i think you know no this is a bad idea we should we should do more new stuff and less of just remaking the old stuff yeah absolutely yeah uh and then the last kind of point I wanted to touch on, I'll just go over it quickly because Dave was a big fan of this and I thought it was hilarious, is the uh, the sedatives. Oh, yeah. So to be fair, uh, primates and humans particularly are massive just, uh, what's the word? Uh, massive lightweights uh-huh. when it comes to sedatives compared to, say, uh, dogs. So Dave was saying that generally he'll have to give uh, somebody's dog about four times the amount of sedatives that he would give a human. Oh, wow. Uh, because, yeah, humans and primates in general are lightweights. Having said that, they keep him, they sedate him using the chloroform. Uh-huh. Uh, and, but they have to keep him sedated all the way back to New York. Right. There's no way they have that much chloroform on the ship. Like, right. Ju- I, I guess they have him pinned down there with those chains, but why would they have those chains on the ship? Like, I am really nitpicking now, but... It would either kill him because they have no idea, you know, what to give a uh, what to give an animal because it's mm. so hard to figure out the correct dosage to sedate something. Uh, and there was this um, Batman versus the World podcast that stopped a while ago where they had Batman versus King Kong and they said, "Oh, he'd just be you know shooting gorillas at the zoo trying to figure it out." You can't scale sedatives with size. Like right. just because something's five times bigger doesn't mean it's going to take five times more sedatives. So that would probably either kill King Kong or just not affect him at all, just make him a bit drowsy. And I do enjoy that scene where he's just like staggering after them in the ship and there's guys throwing stuff at him and he's just smashing them against walls. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, even if they did sedate him then, I seriously doubt they would have been able to keep him sedated. Uh, and that yeah. would have made it, that would have made a much more exciting end to the film, in my opinion, than the New York film. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I was listening to, uh, well, me and you are both fans of, of um, The Weekly Planet. And uh, I, yeah. I went back and was, after I was revisiting this one, I went back and listened to their uh, review of this movie. Because they, they did uh, The Caravan of Garbage, mm-hmm. their their little uh, spinoff. And one of the things that they said was, if this movie had ended on Skull Island with the people escaping Skull Island and Kong either sacrificing himself to save them from the bugs or what, or some other animal uh, or just escaping and him being sad at the loss of, you know, uh, Naomi Watts' character, that would have been such a more powerful film. And that would have made a lot of narrative sense 
But then all of a sudden you have 45 extra minutes of film of him in New York. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, it's just, yeah, I, no, I'm totally with you. I think that the idea of, of him, you know, that, that big epic moment of them trying to sedate him and him just tearing through him, even though he's staggering and like trying to fight off the sedation would have been a good conclusion to the film. It's a, I, that felt like the end yeah. of the film right there. Or even just him like waking up at sea and bringing the whole boat down and everybody dying except for maybe Adrian Brody and Naomi Watts in a lifeboat at the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, a kind of Titanic moment with uh, Kong placing Naomi Watts on the <laughs> lifeboat and then sinking into the depths of the ocean. Oh, man. Oh, man. That would have been great. <laughs> but there was enough room on there for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. Not this time. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no yeah it is it, it is uh it, it just goes back to it wouldn't have been king kong without kong climbing the empire yeah. state building so they had to do that i get it totally understand why it was done i just it is one of those things i just think that i think they could have done a better job with this this film in telling the story and creating a narrative without just redoing scene for scene a lot of the original film to the point to where it just extended the movie out even longer um but yeah anything else that you wanted to share um i wanted to talk briefly about the portrayal of like gorillas in film in general but i think we've well i don't we've gone a, a pretty pretty long already right yeah, I mean, if you want to briefly talk about a little bit of that. Um... Okay, well then, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it short, but we can talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah, gorillas kind of, and a lot of it's to do with King Kong itself. Despite the fact they're often portrayed as these gentle giants with emotions and feelings, they do have a pretty bad rep. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw the kind of culmination of that, uh, what was it, six, seven years ago with uh, the tragedy of Harambe? Right. Gorillas are very, very gentle, uh, gentle creatures. A lot of um, what we know about gorillas is down to Diane Fossey, mm-hmm. uh, who died a tragic death in the 90s after a lot of work against kind of poaching. Right. And she spent a lot of time out there amongst gorillas uh, in really close proximity to them. They're incredibly gentle, loving, nurturing, social creatures. And they don't really deserve this violent uh, reputation that they've got as much as certain other primates. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, mandrels look incredibly vicious. Uh, mandrels and baboons—they're not. Uh, one of the things that we misinterpret there is the fact that um, the bearing of the teeth, which shows right. these enormous fangs, which mandrels and baboons have, that's actually kind of a social gesture. It's not that threatening a gesture to them. Right. But we see it. We're like, that's. I, I don't want anything to do with that. That's right. like Dracula on steroids with no conscience. Um, yeah. But they're not actually that aggressive. However, chimpanzees. Now, I asked this, I put this question to you two a while ago, and I think you addressed it about half a year ago. Would chimpanzees make a good uh, villain in one of these movies? Because there is one particular chimpanzee incident that is not that atypical of their general behavior because they do, they engage in warfare, they Mm -hmm. engage in cannibalism, they engage in infanticide. Uh, And there's one particular gorilla who went nuts called uh, coincidentally Travis. Now, Travis the chimpanzee uh, had been a pet more or less uh, Uh for quite a long time. And 
one of uh, his owner's friends came back to find him out of his cage. She was holding his Tickle Me Elmo toy. He took this as a mortal offence and flew into a rage and started attacking her. She managed to fend him off for a bit and stabbed him with a kitchen knife. This only served to enrage him more. She lost, she lost a lot of her face, including her lips, her nose. I think she lost an ear. She had to uh, undergo hours and hours. I think it was about seven or eight hours of surgery just to reconstruct her face somewhat. Just mm -hmm. because this chimpanzee saw his, uh, you know, his favorite toy in somebody else's hands. Mm -hmm. So chimpanzees are homicidal maniacs. <laughs> However, I think, I don't know, is it because we're a lot closer to them? Like there's that statistic about us sharing like 99% of our DNA or what to, or something like that. Mm -hmm. We don't want to see them as these monsters that they, uh, that they can be. Yeah, I, and we we put it on these big hulking gorillas instead. Yeah, I think you're. I, I I remember you asking me that question, and I remember struggling with that too because it is really hard because so many of these monster movies tie back to something that is is culturally ingrained in us. You know, and like like with yeah. with Godzilla, there is a cultural element to Godzilla. There's a cultural element to King Kong, and so. I think just as a culture, especially as white people, we, uh, you know, there was a time when, when uh, African people and people of African descent were more associated with monkeys and gorillas and stuff. And so I think that there was that kind of that cultural element that added to this fear of these big apes. Oh, now there's, now it's something that is, wild and uncontrollable and also really massive but no i'm totally with yeah. you i think that as far as modern cinema goes modern monster movies you're right a, a chimpanzee makes more sense to you know to have as a monster yeah. or or a mandrel like like even even though mandrels are not as aggressive as chimpanzees mandrels look like you said so much more frightening than a yeah. gorilla and just why can't you just take one of those and just make it big and give it spikes? And then it's, it, that's a kaiju. It's, it is so crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there is, yeah. I think there's a cultural element to why gorillas tend to be. Also, I think gorillas probably also maybe a little bit into how gorillas were discovered and we were learning about gorillas later than chimpanzees you know chimpanzees kind of yeah. the, the research and study into chimpanzees started earlier gorillas were discovered that started kind of later so it was kind of this the fear of the unknown you know whereas chimpanzees were yeah. kind of were more familiar with everybody's familiar with here's now the gorillas are more of the unknown so i don't know i i it is a good question. And I think that it's something that, that if, if a filmmaker is looking for a unique and different monster than just your typical giant gorilla or whatever yeah. to look to other primates. But yeah, it is a difficult question to answer. We asked Libby to come up with a horror movie featuring chimpanzees and she just said, well, you wouldn't have to make it very fantastical. I mean, yeah. real life's, you know, bad yeah. enough with chimpanzees. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Just basically make Roar, uh, the movie Roar, but put chimpanzees <laughs> instead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Now, I have an interesting question for you just uh -huh. about the casting. Uh, 
because this is, and you know, it, it's very much of its time. This is a massively uh, man-heavy movie, mm-hmm. of course. We're, what uh, a lot of you know properties films do these days is uh, massive gender swaps. Mm-hmm. Which of the characters in here would you gender swap to a uh, to a you know non-male these days? I think. Oh, if you were going to just straight up gender swap any of the uh, characters. Uh, I would, I would go with Jack Black's character. I would go with, um, and what is his name? Uh, Denim, Carl Denim. I, I would Carl go Denim, Carol Denim. Yeah, go with Carol Denim. I mean, you get somebody like, oh, who's the, who's the, um, the Australian actress who? If you say who, Melissa McCarthy, I will. Okay, oh, good. No, no, I was going to go. With, <laughs> uh, I was going to go with, um, oh, who's the one that she was in Ocean's Eight, and she's uh in uh thor the dark world kate blanchett kate blanchett you get someone like kate blanchett to play this like evil greedy director snake oil salesman yeah snake oil salesman i think that would be fantastic i think that would be an interesting and it is a different take on that character of having a a woman a female who is supposed to be you know culturally we're we're geared towards women are supposed to be more nurturing and then have this one who's just so greedy wants to take the you know the the monster away and exploit it so i think that would be that would be kind of cool to see yeah i would go with andy circus's character as much as i love andy (laughs) circus i think i think that'd be a a lot of fun just to see him hacking away Uh i I haven't thought of an actress in in just hacking away at those disgusting worms yeah, that would, <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, I mean, they tried to do it in Kong Skull Island, and it, I, to a certain extent they succeeded, and to a certain extent they didn't. But they tried to give the yeah. the female character the action, you know, to be the action star, you know. And, a bit and, more. Yeah. yeah and, and I, Again, I, I don't think it's uh, Brie Larson's fault, though. I think no. her and Tom Hiddleston were just given so little to work with. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think Brie Larson and Michael will... I can hear him yelling at me already because um, he does not like <laughs> Brie Larson. But I think Brie Larson's a decent actress. I think that she just gets a bad rap. Yeah, I think she's because, great. Yeah. Yeah. She, I have seen her, like some of her independent stuff that she's done. She's really great in. It's just that when she, when yeah. they hire her and they kind of rely mostly on her looks and more on, I don't know. They just kind of, when they don't give her a lot to work with, you know, she's one of those actors that you have to give all of it. She can't just make it up on her own. You have to give her the, the yeah. character. And she got so little, to, like in, I do like the Captain Marvel movie, but mm-hmm. they're just, they haven't, there's no, why didn't they give her a proper personality? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I do think she's a great actor. Yeah. The, yeah. That's have her, really- have her as the grubby cook, just swinging away at things and snarling half of the time and just constantly chewing tobacco. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Go for, it, go full on and have the female character be the hero who you know the action star who is who can come in and fight off the the bugs and the worms and everything i think that they should do that um but yeah so uh if there's if there's not anything else that you want to uh share we can move on to our scores our godzuki scores and our final thoughts so for anyone who is new to the podcast uh we like to rate our movies out of five godzukis or godzukis uh because we like to embrace the silly side of giant monster movies and we do that by using godzuki godzilla's nephew 
as our rating system. So, uh, Sam, out of five, Godzookies, and yes, you gotta sing it. Uh, <laughs> what would you give King Kong 2005? And what are your final thoughts on the film? I, um, <laughs> so hard. Uh, I think I will give it two and a half Godzookies. Um, <laughs> Two and a half, just because of the length. Yeah. I think this would probably be three and a half or four if it wasn't a three and a half or four hour long film. Right. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I give it three out of five. Godzookies. Um, because yeah, it is just such a long film, and it's and it's and it's bloated. There's a difference between a film being long and being bloated, and and this one is both. This movie just uh, one example of it being bloated is that the the boat the boat that they had and they filmed on they recreated in cgi they had an actual practical set for everybody to work on they had another stunt set that they could use water and throw water on and make it look like it's sinking or whatever and then they had an actual miniature scale model one that they built and it's just like but all for the boat and the boat is not the important part of the movie and it's just such a bloated film and so yeah just like we've been saying i think that peter jackson coming off of the the well-received even though i don't really care for him uh lord of the rings movies uh he just had had full reign to do whatever he wanted and maybe he could have used a a guy just saying sitting there next to him saying um maybe not Maybe not do that. Uh, And then that would have made a much better film. So, yeah, I give it a three out of five. It's still a lot of fun. And I still think if you have the time to devote to it and you are a Kong fan, you should watch it. But I think you also would get the same enjoyment by just watching the clips of the of the fight scenes and the the action scenes on YouTube. (laughs) Like, really, I think that you could do that and be satisfied. So. That's that's our scores. That's our thoughts. Uh, but yeah, so that's going to close the book, I think, on King Kong 2005. We're running out of King Kong movies uh, to review, so we might not be able to have you back on for a while. <laughs> if you have me back on, I want you to make me look at something weird. I want not Yeti, King of the 21st Century or whatever. That's too weird. I, w- I want... I want to be dragged out of my comfort zone kicking and screaming next time. Okay. Okay. I will do that. You know, I've been so gun shy with our guests because, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before that I had a guest on who, who was like, gave me free reign. Like, Oh yeah, just pick a movie you know, for me to cover. And I picked uh, attack of the killer tomatoes and he, <laughs> he did not have fun uh watching that movie and so i've been kind of gun shy ever since uh with with our guests of like i want to pick one that you might enjoy but (laughs) no 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 next time give give me give me some give me something weird yeah so yeah we will definitely have you on for something weird and oh while you're here and while you're on the podcast i did promise one of our listeners and i can't remember who it was now because uh, it's been a while. Um, so I, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But somebody tweeted at us about that the Great Lakes need more kaiju. And I know that you being big Dr. Fishboy, 
uh, I even mentioned on the episode when we talked about it, that you wrote an article uh, about freshwater monsters, uh, monster movies. And I can't remember where that was. Oh, or... yes. It's been a while. Yeah. And so I wanted to see what your thoughts yeah, are. Uh... So there's a lot of things you can do with freshwater. Uh, but one of the problems is that because freshwater is so much more of a constrained space, mm-hmm. you can't get things growing massive. Uh, hang on, I'll find that article itself. But that's the thing. So the Great Lakes in um, Africa and the Great Lakes in Northern America are two areas of the world where things can potentially get massive. Mm. Uh, so I would love to see some more kaiju there. The only issue is, like I wrote uh, for the article in Kaiju Ramen, go check it out, is that we would know it's there. Right. Like, yeah. We have the technology these days. So I think you would have to set it back, way back in time. You could potentially do like a Loch Ness Monster horror film because uh-huh. um, those lakes up there are incredibly deep. Uh, because of the natural topography you have up in the lochs in Scotland. Uh-huh. Uh, and the Great Lakes are obviously enormous. So there's a lot of unexplored territory in there. Uh, so you could do some really interesting, like, giant fish. Uh, so one of my uh, one of my favorite species of fish is the pike. Yes. Uh, which are incredibly dangerous. Yes. And uh, up in those, uh, the lakes in, um, the, lakes in uh, the UK, uh-huh. they actually were going to make this horror film called The Pike. Oh, wow. Uh, based on a novel by a guy who was a nightclub bouncer and also wrote one of the, I think, the the musical themes to The Hills Have Eyes. Uh, oh, wow. A guy called, I think his name is Clive Twemlow. Uh, and they were going to get, uh, yeah, they were going to get Joan Collins to star in this movie. And there is a picture online that you can go and find with Joan Collins a- alongside this giant mechanical pike. Wow. And the thing is they had a press presentation where they were going to show the pike off to everyone and it malfunctioned horribly. And the embarrassment caused by this incident led them to just completely abandon the project. Oh, wow, man. That's really cool. There's so many unmade monster movies out there that I wish someone would just take and like, just put the budget into some of these and make them. And that sounds really fascinating. Pike are scary fish. They will take off a finger easily. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you have, I mean, prehistoric fish like alligator gar. You have Mm -hmm. the snakehead, which got into a bunch of lakes in America. And there was like a trio of kaiju-ish films made about them, like really schlocky B-horror films. Mm -hmm. What else have you got? Uh, Freshwater sharks, not so much a a thing, but um, uh, I mean, Lake Placid is a great example. Yep. but if you want size, the Great Lakes and uh, Lake Victoria in Africa, the perfect places to, to put these things. And yeah, just, just set it back in time when we didn't have all this, you know, complicated sonar, radar detecting equipment. Mm-hmm. You've got yourself a fantastic kaiju movie. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I was able to bring that up because I, I remember and it's been it's been, probably been over a month that uh, ago that someone tweeted at us about that. And I wanted to and I said the next time that I have Sam on, I'm going to ask him about that <laughs> yeah. because he would know, uh, w- you know, more about that. So I'm glad that we were able to do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, if anybody's interested in reading that article, where can they find that article that you wrote about? Because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. 
So I, uh, Adam, Adam Harsick, my fellow uh, host, he's the other ecologist, along with Libby, who I've, Libby, who I've already mentioned, and Dave, who's a vet. Uh, but Adam and I run the website Ecology for the Masses, which breaks down uh, kind of biological concepts that might be a bit more complicated so that anybody can understand and enjoy them. Uh, and if you want to look that one up, you can look up the Freshwater Fiends Guide to Horror Movies, which was an article I wrote, I think, about a, about a year ago now as uh, cel- in a celebration of Halloween. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when you when you posted on Twitter and I was like really I was really interested in it and I remember some of the movies that you listed there are like the, you know they're foreign ones to the point that I have never even heard of some of these and so I was like oh I have to go check some of these out. <laughs> yeah. If you can find uh frogs just it's got it's got Sam Elliott. It's it's very very oh, funny. Oh yeah. And yeah. Zombievers as well. Check Zombievers. out Zombievers. <laughs> oh man oh man <laughs> uh you might be on for that that episode <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh but yeah if anybody uh we because we don't really have a mailbag segment this week um because we are running kind of long uh but if anybody has any questions uh even questions like that that you have that you want us to pass along to sam you can uh tweet at us uh at kaiju weekly or you can email us kaiju weekly at gmail.com uh you know anything about giant monster related stuff the podcast the magazine anything like that feel free to reach out to us we do have an email and i promised the person who emailed it i would read it out this week but i'm gonna have to push it to next week so sorry (laughs) (laughs) i i love having interaction with people so you know whenever whenever people can email us it's always great uh and yeah and so the only other thing i want to do this week is to ask the trivia question for next week's episode so next week we're continuing our american monster movie month uh we covered one of the most famous american monsters king kong this week now we're going to move into another one so which 1950s movie uses a real life mexican beaded lizard as its monster instead of the creature that the movie is named after so that's that's the the trivia question for next week and you can always answer those trivia questions however you like whether it be funny whether it be silly whether it be right whether it be wrong we'll still give you a shout out and yeah the only other thing to say is thank you to my guest this week sam perrin uh if you would uh if anybody would like to follow you or find out more about you where would they do that uh, you can find me at uh, at big dr Fishboy on twitter <laughs> uh you can also contact the show if you want and ask and you know if you've got a request of a movie that you'd like the biology breaking down on uh you can broken down on you can get in touch with us at uh cinematica.animalia at gmail.com uh, or visit the website cinematicaanimalia.com yeah that's that's us me yeah. dave adam and libby will be happy to field your questions yeah and, and your podcast is a lot of fun i really enjoy listening to it and uh i love the i love the the takes that you guys have you guys obviously have a lot of fun talking about the movies but you also bring in the like actual science side of it and that's always great so so anybody who's interested in that kind of stuff check out uh cinematica animalia and uh yeah and so we want to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends if you want to follow us on twitter we are at kaiju weekly uh all the links to our social media as well as for the kaiju groupie facebook group are listed in the description below we will also list sam's uh 
his his social media and also the websites and everything that you can find in our description so that you can check him out uh and yeah you can send questions comments or answers to our trivia questions to our email kaijuweekly at gmail.com we also want to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported kaiju ramen magazine so far uh we have issue three out for digital release so people can purchase their digital copies but the physical copies are actually supposed to be at my door here in just a little bit so uh we'll be we'll be putting up the the limited amount of physical copies that we have up for sale very soon so if anybody's interested in that you can read uh some of sam's articles that he's written because he's written an article for each issue so far uh and you can check that out at kaiju ramen magazine.com it's such a fantastic publication that you guys have managed to create there it is just so gorgeous to look at and i'm so happy to have been a part of it Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're so happy to have you in. Uh, some of your articles have been your articles have been some of the most interesting and fun to read. I really enjoyed them. Uh, we you did one tying in with this episode. You did one all about Skull Island and the and the ecology of Skull Island uh, in issue two. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. And if anybody wants to help support this podcast, you can, uh, and you can also get some nice bonus content when you do, you can do that by checking out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Kaiju weekly pod. And also you can support us by leaving a five-star rating. And if you not only leave a five-star rating, but you also leave a review, we will read it out on the podcast. You can criticize us any way you want you can tell us that you like cinematica animalia much better than us but if it's five stars we'll read it out (laughs) and so to close out this episode i'm gonna say help control the giant ape population have your hmm, carl denims spayed or neutered i couldn't think of anything better (laughs) (laughs) 